Welcome to Birth Mystics with your hosts, Katie and Stephanie. What's gone has made you what you are. So don't fear what's ahead. Put trust in what will be, will be, and choose to live instead. Don't live in the now worrying what may or may not be. Take this moment in your time and live it totally. There's no time like the present. Breathe deep and feel alive. Living in the here and now will help you rise and thrive. Now is all there ever is. It's the only time that's real. Let the future take its course and leave the past to heal. I love that beautiful poem called Living in the Now by Vanessa Hudges. Hughes, not Hudges, Hughes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because I feel like this is one of the biggest gifts that birth has given me. And it's something that I feel like as a doula, when I go to births, you can tell a difference when someone has begun to kind of master this principle of mindfulness. So mindfulness is a practice that, um, Stephanie, I know I'm like right up your alley and standing on your, um, on the hill that we want to die on. the hill that we want to die on. Yes. We're standing there together. (laughs) together. So I'm not worried about educating you very much today, but for anybody listening, I'm sure you've heard it. It's a big word that's moving around right now. And it's used in a lot of birth preparation courses in one way or another. Um, meditation in some, it's kind of a form of meditation, although not all meditation is mindful. Mindfulness at its core, and I'll define it, and I'd love if you'd add sure. anything that you feel like I'm maybe not fully, fully grasping, um, not grasping, but expressing, expressing. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, is that mindfulness is the ability to be in this moment without allowing your thoughts or anything to pull you out of what is right now. So essentially, she says that in the poem, that um, it's being right in this moment and I like to think of it, and I think it was explained to me in one of the books I read, as um, your thoughts are like this river. And most of us, we've kind of identified with our thoughts. We think our thoughts are us. And we're being like kind of swept down this river. And sometimes it'll like bash us against a rock or uh, we'll go under. um, Or the rapids will get very intense. And we're kind of pushed by it. And mindfulness, the idea of it is that you are kind of pulling yourself above the water and you kind of watch it pass Um, instead of being so pulled by it and so in the tumult you are instead kind of observing what is happening you can kind of observe your thoughts observe your life and feel fully present in it without having to weigh and judge there's also a lack of judgment that becomes a part of mindfulness that is also very powerful is there anything you'd add to that I think you nailed it awesome yeah I go right in line with that good So, um, to tell a story about a birth that I attended not too long ago, um, to kind of accentuate some of these points, there was a mother and she was asking probably every few minutes things like, um, saying things like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. Um, asking when can I start pushing? (laughs) She asked me that multiple times. Like she wasn't even in the thick of it, thick, thick of it yet. And Mm -hmm. she looks at me and goes, when can I start pushing? (laughs) I was like, my friend, I don't know. (laughs) I wish if I could tell you when Mm -hmm. I would make a lot of money very quickly. If I was able to really tell people when Yeah, I had a feeling it'd be soon, but adding that idea of soon and time can be very difficult in birth. Cause if you say soon, that's all very relative to what exactly. they interpret as soon. Because for me, soon's like five more minutes. I mean, if we're pushing in four hours. Yeah. 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 So, um, and I remember her saying, 
how many more of these am I going to have to do? Mean, meaning the contractions. <laughs> meaning the contractions. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she just asked a lot of questions, and she went on. She had a pretty quick birth, and she did a great job. And um, she worked really hard. I was proud of her because I felt like she'd maybe underprepared, like a touch. Um, but she did awesome, and she did it. So I'm not saying that you have to be mindful to have a great birth. But there's a big stark difference to someone who just is able to be in the moment. Um, someone who's able to be mindful or bring themselves back to mindfulness, they tend to be a lot more quiet, a lot more inside themselves. And if they do ask questions, it'll be more like, or ask questions, it'll be more like, is it, they'll make more observations about things they're sensing, right? They'll say yeah. things like, it's starting to feel bigger, mm. or this feels very big right now. Um, but the beauty of it is that when you're able to be kind of in this moment, that you are not, and like this is a very, birth makes this so acute. Like birth's this way where you can just see how big of a difference mindfulness makes. Because if you are in this moment and you're allowing this moment to be, then when you are not contracting, you are calm. Because currently in this moment, there is no contraction. You're not even feeling like you're in labor. You could be not in labor at that moment because you're resting in between contractions. And if you do like the mathematics of labor, you the like average pattern is that every three minutes you'll have a one minute contraction, which means for every hour you spend 15 minutes in a contraction and 45 minutes not in a contraction. Hmm. And of those 15 minutes in a contraction, the peak is usually about 15 seconds. Yeah. So of those 15 minutes in a contraction, you're only spending about a minute in the peak. So if you talk Amazing. about like that, right. Yeah, when you break it down like that. Mm-hmm. So it's only our minds when we feel like this is taking so long or this is so hard or, oh, no, the next contraction is coming in the future. Oh, no, that last contraction was hard that we then contract in our mind throughout the entire process of yep. birth, which messes up those mathematics. <laughs> yeah, because you can make that whole labor just be one long contraction because mentally you have not moved on Mm -hmm. from the actual contraction you just keep it going forever perpetually Mm -hmm. yeah and your mind does not know this is another fascinating little tidbit that your mind does not know the difference between what you imagine and what you think and what is really happening so if you're kind of mentally holding on to how hard the peak of a contraction was your brain is experiencing that as if it were the peak of a contraction. Mm. So that will kind of snowball you into a place where you really are. Like, that's real. Women, yeah. are, like, that's not something that's just like, oh, I'm having, like, this imaginary difficulty because I'm so anxious. And it's just all in my head. And it's just all in my head. No, your body and your mind experience that yeah, together. what you are thinking will translate into what you are feeling and it's that whole fear tension pain cycle right yes so you are actually now creating a physical response to the mental distress Mm -hmm. and this situation i don't know if it's as much it's partially fear but i think it's like worry tension pain or like there's a concern Mm -hmm. like it's not always like fear fear Uh but a lot of times they're simply like resistance is a good word. I love Like that. resistance tension. Yeah. That's um, powerful. Pain cycle that yeah. you have this moment where it's like either you're holding onto the past and you're not able to let it go, which is a form of resistance in and of itself that you're resisting moving on. Yeah. 
Or you're resisting the future because you're going, oh, no, 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 I don't want another one to come. One's coming. I know it's coming. And um, it's interesting for me as a doula to be in those situations because you watch it and you can have so much empathy because it is so hard because we live in a culture that does not teach us how to be that way. (laughs) They do. No one teaches you how to calm yourself down. Like, I feel Mm. like that was like self-regulation was not something I was taught as a kid besides like being yelled at or being told to separate myself, like go to your room. Right. Yeah. So you, you learn to shut it down or you just let it keep going by yourself somewhere else. Right. Um, but no one ever teaches you like this is an emotion and there's another side of it. And in fact, what the, what that did teach for us was that, oh, it's actually not okay that I have all of these big emotions because I'm either being dismissed or yelled at, like it leads to all these negative consequences. So mm-hmm. there's a different kind of education that we got around yeah. <laughs> having emotions. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, so that's very interesting for me. Like when you think about how to even sit with that is in essence what you need to learn preparing for a birth. And it is important to know the physiology and it is important to understand what's happening in your body. That's a big component. But the thing, the one thing, if I was telling anybody one thing to help them get through labor, it would be mindfulness. Because um, it essentially takes the power out of all of that. And it allows you to say, okay, that was big and I did it. Yeah. And now I'm not. And I'm going to be in this moment because that's gone forever. Mm-hmm. That contraction is gone forever. Yeah. One down, check. You know, there's this beautiful concept in in the mindfulness community called the beginner's mind. It's actually a, a Buddhist teaching, but um, has beautiful application. And, you know, for example, when you are practicing mindful eating, um, let's say you're eating an avocado and you're just like taking the time to slow down and just observe the avocado, smell the avocado, um, feel the texture of it. When you first take a bite, letting it just sit in your mouth for a minute, observing all of the muscles that have to to work in your mouth, even just to consume food, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, what's really interesting is that if you're approaching that avocado genuinely in the moment, what you recognize is that you've never actually eaten that avocado before. You really haven't. Mm -hmm. And you don't actually know for a fact what it will taste like. And is it identical to what the other avocados you've eaten have tasted like? You know, it's so it's just approaching each new thing without assumption and without labels and without those expectations and just saying, I'm going to free myself up to eat this avocado because it's this one has never existed before. (laughs) And I will be the only one that will ever consume this avocado. It really frees up your mind in a big way. And so hopefully you see that parallel with the contraction that it's like, Meet and greet it as if it were a new, because it's not, you're not pretending. You've not had that contraction before. Mm-hmm. Meet it without the label. Yes. And it's really profound what starts to happen. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times when we're like, number one, so many things of our experience in this moment are on autopilot or even don't get experienced because we're so busy in our heads with our thought stream. Yeah. We're so busy with judgment. We're so busy with thinking about tomorrow to do lists. We're so busy with all of that, that we actually don't experience eating the avocado. Yeah. Like we experience very little of what we eat a lot of the time. Um, 
And so that's where birth can kind of pass you by where, yes, you do, of course, you experience it. But there's a lot of the beauty of it, a lot of the simplicity and the feelings. I remember my my most embodied birth. I remember feeling her move in like inside of my pelvis and move down into my pelvis. I remember thinking like, this is what a what a feeling. But there was also like it was intense, but there was also this awe to it. Like there's this that's my baby. Yeah. Like I was able to experience the intensity, which was also kind of difficult to deal with, but also have that paired awe and the paired, mm. just that, that presence that I think with my, my second birth, which was unmedicated, but like I've told you before, I felt kind of out of body. I felt kind of above my body that I did not, I was so busy just in my head saying, get her out, get her out. And just thinking mm. about pushing and, um, feeling a little under spotlights, like weird that I don't remember feeling feeling her leave my body, like, like really feeling it. But with my birth where I was able to, I'd learned a lot of mindfulness skills. And that was my biggest things I looked into with my third birth that I, I can remember, like if I close my eyes, I can kind of, there's still echoes Mm. of that feeling, which is so special. Yeah. And I think that's something that's really beautiful that we, that we miss a lot of. And I love the idea of the beginner's mind, like fully in not just every contraction, but also approaching birth, the event. Yeah. Because a lot of women, and I know like, hi, I'm part of the party of this women. Like a lot of women, including me. (laughs) Um, Not to point the finger. Not to point the finger, but I always go over. So I know from experience that it is hard to wait for baby to come. Mm. A lot of times you have kind of this like, you'll take the birth course, you'll do the research and you'll think, I want to wait. I want not to induce. Like mm-hmm. I want to have the patience. And then it comes down to it. And like being in that is a whole different yeah. Two monster. Very different like, yeah. I remember wanting it so much. And like, I, this is a piece of advice I give so often. Cause like I wanted it so much at the end with my first that I did all the things. Mm. Like I hit day seven over and I was like, a boy, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> you need to leave. I'm sick of being pregnant. I don't want to get induced. So I looked up this big list and we spent like two days just like, eating all these things. I went to this Irish <laughs> pub and I'll never forget it in Stuttgart. That's where we were living with my first at the time. I was a week over pregnant and I bought this jalapeno burger. Oh no. <laughs> that had jalapenos on it and jalapenos ground into the mayonnaise. Oh my gosh. And it was so spicy. I was like crying tears rolling down my face. How spicy it is. I made myself eat that whole whole oh burger. Gosh. Did it bring your baby? No. <laughs> Did it give you a killer indigestion? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was like, I want it so bad. We had made my husband have a whole bunch of sex with me. I made, we went curb walking After the holiday forever. burger or before? This is I important. don't know. I probably did. I don't even know. Interesting. I was so desperate. I probably didn't care. Yeah. Because it was going to be uncomfortable, but I don't care. He might have cared, but you certainly did it. No, I just did <laughs> Right? Um, but it was like, maybe this sex will be the thing that yeah. pushes it over the edge. So let's do it. We went curb walking. Yeah. I drank gallons of red raspberry leaf tea. Mm. <laughs> Literally anything I could find online that said it could possibly induce, I did that thing. Um, it didn't work. He didn't come till 10 days later. And that was finally mm-hmm. when it was like, and you I mean, had some, you mean 10 days past the due 10 days date? past the due date. Sorry. It's like, were you seven, three days, days later? Okay. No, that'd be crazy. Gotcha. I don't know how, I know some people do that, but I yeah. mean, props. I could 
Yeah. I'm not sure I would have caved. I'm also very stubborn. I don't know if I've mentioned this. <laughs> I think I know that about you <laughs> in all the best so ways. So I think it was just like, I'm not inducing. I don't know if I would have caved, but it would have yeah. been even, it would have been, it was already very hard for me. Right. Um, with my second, I, it was a lot easier because I'd learned how that was. And so I kind of did some tips and tricks. Like I lied about my due date to everyone. Even my provider. <laughs> I support that. I think and, that's a boundary um, that you have to create yeah, sometimes. I would to have get been people f- off your back. Yes. No, yeah. it was actually I will never not do it again. Yeah. Um, I've publicized that now, so next time if I had another baby, everyone and would know. But. I was gonna say some people just don't even tell due dates anymore. It's yeah. more like, oh well, well, we're due in June. Yep. And no, I did it, my second it I big. said mid May. She was yeah. due the let me see, her actual due date would have been the third. I told people who had to know, I moved my period back. I just lied about my period. That's how I did it. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so it would have been the, t- it was the 10th according to my provider. And I measured on for that PS. Mm-hmm. Um, I told my husband, even the 10th and anybody else who didn't matter, I told mid-May. Yeah. So she's due the third and I said mid-May. Great. Um, and she was born on the 7th, which means she was four days over and would have been, because I remember the people like, oh, you're going to do so what's going on. They start talking about that. Right. And even talking about it, it's just frustrating. So that was super helpful with my second. With my third, I felt like I hit this point at 38 weeks where I had like a couple of days where I was like, she might come early this time. Mm -hmm. And I had like these couple days of hope. (laughs) Which quickly passed. (laughs) Which quickly passed. And I was like, no, no, we're going to 41 (laughs) weeks and this is fine. Yeah. (laughs) But I feel like I was able. Something had shifted for you, it sounds like. No, it did. I feel like with that pregnancy, I kind of had this little little boost of hope where it was like, maybe I should come early. I'm uncomfortable. But then I hit this point where I was like, no. And I kind of had that beginner's mind, which is like to say, this is its own experience mm. and it'll start when it starts. And I don't need to have hope for now because later's fine yeah. and it'll all play out like it's supposed to. Wow. And all that the worrying and the pushing and the spicy burger did was cause me to stress. Yeah. And so one of my biggest pieces of advice for people who are waiting for baby is to be joyful. Hmm. Do things, plan things that can help you just feel in your body, to feel good, to feel calm. Find ways to celebrate this last little bit because Mm -hmm. you are about to change everything about your life. You're about to change your family dynamic. You're about to change into postpartum, which is its own situation. So celebrate it. And recognize that you are establishing a pattern for your entire parenting journey because something that I also saw in myself that shifted from my first and my second down to like my fourth Mm -hmm. was let's like fast forward to the to the infant year the infant months you Mm -hmm. know as they're growing I remember obsessing with my first daughter of what the next mile marker was going to be you know Mm. when is she going to learn how to do that when is she going to learn how to do this and everything was just so forward driven and future oriented that I legitimately missed I believe so much of when the mile marker would actually come I couldn't actually just savor it and love it and cherish it because I was like well what's next Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and then contrast that to my fourth especially when you know they're your last and your youngest. This is why youngest children are spoiled, I guess, um, because you finally have figured it out. Mm-hmm. You're like, I already know now what those mile markers are. I've seen all your siblings cross the mile markers. And frankly, I'm realizing how fast it's going to go. Mm-hmm. And I've learned to slow down and just be here with you. And I'm not so eager to make you grow up. I'm actually really content letting you be little and it's it's kind of sad sometimes I think about my daughter, my oldest, and I'm like, I 
didn't have that life skill yet when you were my sweet little baby. And Mm -hmm. I did want you to grow up faster than you needed to. But thank you for teaching me that. Yeah. Thank you for being my first that like opened up that space for me to Mm -hmm. just to learn how to slow down. Yeah. I think that's like one of the big things that I love about mindfulness is that. And in general, like I feel like I've learned and it's helped me to learn that we all learn in our own ways and we all develop in our own path. And like the poem that I started out with said, the past, what's gone has made you what you are. So don't fear what's ahead. I think that's a really beautiful principle to say, everything that I have done has led me to this place and helped me to become who I am. And there was no way I was going to be who I am now then. That's not real. (laughs) Right. And so being annoyed at myself for not already being that person is also just a waste of my energy. Yeah. And I feel like that's one of the mindfulness skills that that's been given to me is that even when I do have like, and I'm not in any way saying that like suddenly I don't have flaws anymore, but I feel like I'm so much gentler with myself about them. Mm-hmm. Like that's another thing I see during birth that makes me sad is that a lot of women spend a lot of time trying to weighing themselves. Am I doing this good enough? Am I, Am I too loud? Right? Am I doing this right? Yes. Yeah. That's the, that's a good word. That's a good way to put it. Am I doing this right? Am I too much? Mm-hmm. Am I too loud? Should I be louder? Yeah. Is my movement weird? What's my husband thinking? Is this taking longer than it should? Mm-hmm. All <laughs> is of my body going to do this or my body not working? Mm-hmm. Oh, last time was a C-section. I don't know my body's going to do this. Is my body going to do this this time? Can it? Yeah. Is yeah. my body broken? Can mm-hmm. I do this? The V-back journey. Yep. That's a big one too. V-back journeys are very hard to be mindful because you yeah. do. And in every birth, it's hard not to compare it to your previous births. And in some ways, it's fun to compare it to previous births. Yeah. But in some ways, it's unhelpful. Yeah. Because you kind of set this, this is how I behave. This is how things work. Um, And you set yourself up for some struggle because if things go differently, then suddenly you've kind of solidified, solidified yourself around this expectation. Mm. And then you feel very, that can lead to kind of feeling out of control. Mm -hmm. Um, That can lead to disappointment because it's not this solid thing that you thought it was going to be. It becomes, it's very different. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. I do love to prepare my clients for that sensation because I think it's actually impossible to not have all of your previous birth experiences surface Mm -hmm. and to like have them be very ever present on your mind. Yes. Why? Obviously because your body remembers. It's like a muscle memory thing. And as soon as it starts feeling those same sensations that it felt years ago with that other baby, it's going to pull up all those memories with it, right? But I love what you're saying, that if we can help our clients avoid getting into the comparison part and just kind of, well, I guess what you said is occasionally that's helpful, (laughs) but to kind of come more neutral with it. And then I like to add to that, let it be a time for like integrating that birth story or Mm -hmm. processing through that birth story because it's it's open for a reason. Mm -hmm. Your body is almost inviting you to look at it. It's not inviting you to compare. It's Mm -hmm. not inviting you to contrast. It's inviting you to say, hey, here's this other story. How can we integrate it? How can we process it through what you're doing with this birth? It's a really powerful opportunity. Yeah. And that leads me to like a factor of mindfulness that I really love, and that's curiosity. Mm -hmm. So it's not as much comparison as it is being like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Last time it was like this, and this time it's like this. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And when you kind of put on your curiosity goggles instead of your comparison 
or glasses, goggles. I'm like, you're going <laughs> little or goggles or something. On. Yeah. I'm like, I just was in California with my kids. They wore goggles. So I guess yeah, that's yeah. why. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> but if you put on those glasses of curiosity, um, it's more welcoming. Like it's say, you aren't saying a comparison, like this should be like it was expectation. You're have this feeling of wonder. And I think that's something that I mourn sometimes. And I'm really excited to rediscover is that sense of wonder. Yeah. And that's something I feel like the older we get, the more we get locked into kind of our thought stream and this is our plan and this is how life's going to be, that we lose that wonder. And that's another way that our children can really help us because, I mean, my daughter will stare at a butterfly for like mm. however long. Yeah. <laughs> and if I'm too busy saying we got to get this checklist done or we're going mm-hmm. to the playground, let's go, go, go. Yeah. That I just kind of squash that wonder, right? Absolutely. And she's... I feel like children give that to me and help remind me of that because children can be very mindful. Children are right now. I had this very visceral experience similar to how you're describing your daughter where I was on a walk with my third son and he was probably like three or four at the time. And of course I was in my go-go mindset. I had this list of things I had to do that day and we were just trying to walk over to my neighbor's house that was down the road And he kept stopping and getting distracted. And at one point, I'm like yards ahead of him because I hadn't realized that he had stopped. And I turn around and I'm like scolding him. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, we've got to go. And I realize that he has stopped to smell a freaking rose. Like, could it get more quintessentially, like, perfect? And it it struck me because I was about to say to him, stop smelling that rose. (laughs) And I I, I stopped in my tracks Mm -hmm. because the saying was just so, so perfect that I'm like, why would a mother ever tell her son to stop smelling the roses? I have a problem. Mm -hmm. He is not the problem. I have a problem. Yes. And I chose, and it took a lot for me to do that, but I chose to just walk over and smell the roses with him. And I don't mean to say that I do that right every time. Mm -hmm. I certainly don't, you know, but that's what, what I see with children as well, Katie, is that they live in that beautiful, like alpha brainwave state. And it's only us as adults that try to get them to like, grow up too fast and to try to be so beta brain oriented why in fact I think kids if we let them will bring us down into alpha they teach us how to relax unwind be present and you know I I think there is sometimes a misnomer with mindfulness that suddenly your life is just going to be so pleasant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once you learn how to, to be present, yes. then it will be so pleasant mm-hmm. all the time. And I don't think that's at all the message. It's it's actually teaching you to be fully present in the most uncomfortable of life's experiences, in the pain, in the grit, in the hard work, in the sorrow, the grief, but also the happiness, also the joy the bliss, the curiosity. But I don't think we realize that by suppressing the darker or the heavier emotions that we are also suppressing all of the more pleasant emotions that they kind of come tethered together. And so mindfulness can be difficult, especially in birth. We're not saying that if you practice mindfulness, you're going to have a pain-free childbirth per se. Mm. Some, I think, have developed a skill to that extent that they have learned to control their mind in such a way that they don't register as painful. That's beautiful. But regardless of where you are on that spectrum, 
I think what we are trying to say is that mindfulness can unlock some really powerful experiences within your birth so that you can be freed up to experience the most blissful parts of birth, but also to learn how to cope in the uncomfortable parts. Is that a a good way to to put it, Katie? Yes, definitely. Like 100%. I think that mindfulness is not about everything just suddenly being good because you're in the moment. It's about not adding to your own burden with your mental thought stream and your comparison and your judgment brain Mm -hmm. and your worry and your sadness. Because all of those things can take a discomfort and quickly turn it into suffering. Mm -hmm. And I think you and I would both agree that childbirth was never meant um, to make us suffer. No. Um, It's an intense experience. Yeah. It's big. And it's hard sometimes. Yeah. But you know what? I think in our society, we, we make it seem like if things are hard that we're not doing them good enough. Yeah. Or if things are hard that we should just do it differently. But there's something really beautiful. And this is one of the reasons like I became a doula is I remember very specifically after my unmedicated birth that that confidence I felt like, man, if I can do that, Hmm. if I can do that, I can do anything. Hmm. And I think that's Another thing that I love about mindfulness is it's called a mindfulness practice. You've, you've spent a lot of your life and been immersed in a society that has made you the opposite of mindful, <laughs> especially adding technology. Technology is a mindfulness killer. Um, it makes us anywhere but. It's such a brain makes us thought feeder. It makes us mindless. Yeah. And not to say there aren't benefits. Like I'm, I'm active on social media and I actually feel like I've taught the algorithm <laughs> to feed me pretty positive things. And I've used it a way to connect with people. So it's, it's a tool. So it's not purely bad, but it is easily something that will distract you from your own life and take you away from this present moment. So, um, just a reminder, like this is something we're both, I've been, let me see, I started mindfulness. Let's say I started kind of meditation. Mindfulness I was pregnant my second. So give me six years. And I still feel like I've got a long way to go. I still get triggered by things. I still worry. I still Mm -hmm. get caught up. But I have tools that when I suddenly, I become conscious more often. I become conscious that I have let a day slip away in too much worry and pressure. And I have tools to be able to bring myself back to the moment. And it's not a very, it's usually just a decision. Like I'm going to focus on my breath now. I'm going to touch something cold. I'm going to stroke my own, my own leg or my own cheek just to feel the sensation of my, my body touching my body. Um, your body can be a powerful mindfulness portal. That's something I use a lot with my clients is like, I'll put a piece of ice in their mouth and just say, Hey, can you feel how cold that is? Um, is it, can you feel it's melting? Can you sense that, that it's melting? Is it getting smaller? And just remind them in between contractions, hey, what does it feel like to have my cold fingers on your forehead? Can you feel where your husband's touching you? Can you, can you feel where your skin meets his skin? Mm, so beautiful. Um, and just your breath is a huge portal to the moment because your breath is in every moment. It's always there. But the compassionate message I want to say is that this is a journey and that wherever you are at is the perfect place to start. That's the definition of beginner's mind is that where I am right now, I'm starting the next leg. I'm starting the future. Mm. And this moment is full of possibility. This moment is full of chance to grow, of chance to feel, of chance to connect, and even just a chance to be still and to rest. And that's 
the beauty of that. And I think that's wonderful that you incorporate that so much in your, I know that your birth course is very mindfulness centered and you're almost shifting it right now to even be more mindfulness centered because. Yeah. It's been an amazing uh, process for me teaching this content and I'm coming up on, I think maybe six years of developing the curriculum, but it started out very much meditation and And yoga centered, right? mm -hmm, Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. All from the yoga tradition. And I am pivoting this, this coming retreat actually is going to be the first retreat where I'm actually focusing much more on mindfulness. And then for those that have maybe already been on that path for a while, I still have all of the same access to those meditation concepts, but I'm just finding that we needed more of a bridge. I think it's really intellectually engaging people, including me are very curious about meditation. We're applying it, we're learning it, but it's very tricky when you're working on a timeline and you're like, my baby's due very soon. And Mm -hmm. I've got to like have some actionable (laughs) skills and tools to help me. And sometimes it can feel like it's too much to, to develop, um, the skill of, of meditation in that time. And so I'm, I'm loving as I adapt the curriculum to incorporate mindfulness into that, because I think anyone can learn that in a matter of a couple of hours to have someone walk you through and then you go home and integrate the practice. And I'm really, really loving that. Yeah. I feel like it is very accessible Yeah, because it's so simple. Like it's just, it doesn't mean it's always easy to apply, but the concepts are very simple. Mm -hmm. Well, birth itself is simple. You, Mm -hmm. your pelvis opens, your cervix dilates and a baby comes out. But the baby's head squishes go a do little it. bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then go do it just because it's a simple process doesn't exactly. mean it's an easy process. Exactly. And it is, you'll realize it, at the beginning, it'll feel really hard because you will realize how quickly you're back out of it. Mm. How quickly you're breathing. Um, one thing that I love doing lately that has helped me just kind of, <laughs> um, I don't know if anybody's ever been to, there's like the salt water pods. The mm, sensory no. deprivation pod. Oh, okay. I've heard of these. Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't know if there's one near you, but there's one here and you can go into this, like it's got pound, I don't know, hundreds of pounds of Epsom salt <laughs> in the water and you're in this small pod that has the salty water inside and it forces you to float. Mm. You, you cannot not float. Yeah. And you can put your arms in a couple of different ways and then you close the pod. It can either be fully dark or you can turn on like lights if mm. that's weird. But I like the full sensory deprivation. Because it made it so blatant for me the way my mind just ran. Wow. And I would just sit there and be like, oh, okay, oh my gosh, I just went on this whole journey with thinking about this thing that's happening next month. And I just thought about it for, I don't even know how long it was. Yeah. And I come back to the moment, okay, what's it feel like to float here? It's dark and you can't hear anything. It's just complete sensory deprivation. And you're just alone with your brain and you just watch your brain start talking. (laughs) And it's not even like, what am I even thinking about? What is this? And it's helped me a lot to kind of separate that thought stream that kind of runs away from me as the observer of the thought stream. Yeah. Because that's a very powerful principle in mindfulness as well, is to come to the place where you realize that you are not your thoughts. Yeah. I think that's a revolutionary concept. Absolutely. To say, "I'm, I'm not my thoughts. I'm sitting here. And my thoughts are moving past and I'm thinking, I'm thinking the thoughts or I'm, I'm observing the thoughts. My brain is a computer, a supercomputer, and it's spitting these thoughts out. And the self, the me, the soul, the whatever Mm. you want to call it inside is observing these thoughts. I love that. But I've attached myself to them and I think they're me. So that's when women, like when they're having, that's a powerful principle for me to explain to women who postpartum, who are having really 
weird thoughts come up. Mm-hmm. Who are thinking, what if I just leave? Yeah. Or what happens if I drop my baby? Mm-hmm. Or other intense, scary thoughts that new moms have. That's just a thing that happens to new yeah. moms. And then with that, who have I become? Who is this person that could think such thoughts? Yes. Because we're identifying with the thoughts, mm-hmm. which means I'm a bad person. Yes. Instead of saying my brain's trying to process this new situation and it's feeling very stressed mm-hmm. and it's just popping out weird possibilities yeah. because I'm in a very sleep deprived mm-hmm. post giant birth physical experience state and my brain's trying to cope. Yeah. And that kind of dissociation can be very jarring very at first. So. Um, yeah. But for me, it's become very powerful because I feel like I'll think these weird things. It's the same with like, if you go off on a fantasy about a high school boyfriend or if, and does that mean you're an adulterous woman? Does that mm, mean you're, you know what right. I mean? Does that mean that you're Absolutely. not faithful? Does that mean you don't love your husband? No, your brain just fantasizes sometimes. Yep. And you can say, okay, thanks for that little fantasy. We're moving forward. Because it's actually what you do with the thought. Yeah. You know, the thought themselves, the thoughts themselves, I think are neutral Mm -hmm. and it's based upon what actions we take after those thoughts occur. Yes, exactly. And when we've attached ourselves to it, then we're judging ourselves and then we almost maybe allow ourselves to do it because we're that person. Yeah. I've attached myself to this negativity, so I, or this awful thought about this thing. Yeah, non-attachment is a big part of what I teach because I think it really does help you recognize the language that you're using. Mm -hmm. I mean, in your speaking, but certainly in your thoughts. And a lot of times we are speaking in a a lot of extremes. Like this this thing always happens or Mm -hmm. that never Never. works for me or, and, and we just push out all room for possibility. And mm-hmm. I think non-attachment along with mindfulness really is about creating endless possibility mm-hmm. through that beginner's mind and just saying, actually, I don't know what this particular moment will have in store for me. And I'm just going to show up with curiosity as opposed to having it already figured out and decided and you already know how it's going to go. <laughs> yep, exactly. So I think that's a power, like I do that with my clients a lot. And that's one of the things I've worked really hard on myself is using language with them and giving them reminders. that's mm. very open Like, hey, okay, that's awesome that that's worked for you so well before. We'll remember that, and then we'll see if it works this time. Yeah. Like, just little reminders. Little little reminders that, like, this is new, and I don't hold you to that. Yeah. Like, just because you told me you went over doesn't mean you have to go over. Like, if you call me at 38 weeks, I'm be so happy for you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that feels like. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, But just allowing ourselves to be what we are, like fallible and weak, but also strong and wonderful and beautiful in our own way. And that's, um, that's some of the beauty of it. So I would invite you wherever you're at, whether you're a birth worker, to approach each birth with beginner's mind, to not think you have the answers, to not think you know how to do every single thing, but to gather the tools that you need to support someone and then to openly bring them with you and assess in the situation what feels right. And if you're a mother preparing for birth, You don't need to know every single thing. You don't have to practice every single coping tool, but find a couple that feel good for you and allow yourself to follow what feels good. Give yourself moments of peace alone with your, with you and let the thoughts go past and just settle and be quiet. And I, every, I promise you that you will feel better about your choices. You will feel better about because chaos is often you being at odds with what is being at odds with what needs to be. Um, I don't want to be induced 
And then you come to a situation where you need to be induced and that causes chaos. Where if you can simply be calm and say, okay, I didn't want to be induced and I'm not excited about this, but this is the way it is. What now? Yeah. Um, and a lot of times things will become clear. What now? Okay. Now you start to look at your options and you say, this is, this is the way I'd like to do this. This is how, I, how I'm going to open to this. And it's not going to be an easy thing. But every bit that you can in that direction will make your life easier. Thank you for joining us as we step into darkness, knowing we will find light.